I'm Sharon Brett Kelly, and today on the detail, I'm on Newton Gully Bridge. You can hear the traffic whizzing past us. And from here, there's a really good view of of Auckland City. And of course, that view, like many cities, is not all pretty. Uh, there's some ugly buildings. There's some sprawl. Uh, that you know, the motorways aren't that pretty either. But I'm here with the urban designer Matthew Prasad to talk about the row that's bubbling away at the moment over housing density and Christchurch City Council's no vote on the rules set by the government. Matthew, this row or, or this move by Christchurch City Council. <laughs> would you describe it? It's a bit of a soap opera. <laughs> it's quite terrible in, in a nerdy way. It was kind of thought that this wouldn't happen. Like, no council will be that silly to say no. And lo and behold, one of them has. So it's it's but it's very interesting what's going to unfold because it will set a very interesting precedent for all future um, bills and, and actions that happen and how commissioners get appointed and so forth. Yeah, there's people sitting on the sidelines of popcorn. Matthew's talking about the rollout of the government's controversial housing policy called the Medium Density Residential Standards, or MDRS, that will allow three three three-storey houses on one site. And this policy that was the big bipartisan splash announced as a fix to our housing crisis. Now, that's the one that everybody hears a lot about, which is the uh, three homes up to three storeys on every site across the city across five major cities. And that's the one that scares people the most because it is quite a dramatic change from single and two-storey homes that's been enabled before. And that's what's concerned Christchurch. And they've gone, no, thank you. We'll be back looking at the cityscape with Matthew shortly, but let's get more on that no vote. Here's Thomas Coughlin, senior political reporter at the New Zealand Herald. What's happened in Christchurch is basically the government has uh, two big pieces of rules, um, which would make it much easier for private individuals, anyone, to build more houses on existing land. Now, uh, for those rules to actually take effect, the councils have to look at their own plans and they have to look at what the government's published and incorporate those rules into their plans for their local areas. And what Christchurch Council basically did is uh, said no. (laughs) Christchurch City Council is digging its heels in over the density rules that the government wants main cities in Aotearoa to adopt. You know, row after row after row of houses that are all identical, I think is uh, is very detrimental to the kinds of environments that we want to be living in. So the, the rules that the government has set for large cities, so these are, they're called Tier 1 cities, basically do not take effect in Christchurch uh, right now, when they in fact should. It's like Christchurch has just refused to comply with the law. But the law's the law, isn't it? I mean, does, does a, a council decision overrule a law. Well, um, Christchurch is about to discover that it doesn't, and and the law will probably be enforced. I mean, the government can choose to do what it wants here, so it can come down on Christchurch pretty hard and say, no, you will have to do this, and it could actually send a commissioner down to Christchurch to, to what they call it, notifying a plan change, so the government could actually appoint someone to do that on its behalf uh, if the council refuses to do it. But, yeah, I mean, one way or another, uh, you know, the government can't exactly let one council um, decide that it, it, it is 
goes above these rules or that the rules don't apply to it because other councils would get the, <laughs> would get the wrong idea too because you, you, you've got to remember that in Wellington and Auckland in particular actually this process has been quite traumatic because it's the, one of the reasons these rules exist is that councils for the last 30 years have really struggled to free up enough land for development it's one of the reasons that we have a, a housing crisis uh, and so one of the reasons these rules exist in the first place is the is a central government kind of comes in over local government's head and says no ifs, no buts, you've got to allow more houses to be built in your cities and here's how to do it. Uh, and Christchurch has essentially said uh, yes ifs, yes buts we're not doing it. And um, and so if it if it is allowed to uh, exempt itself from these rules then I think you'd see Wellington and Auckland actually um, you know, thinking about uh, thinking about doing the same. The City of Sales is set to change. The plans going down like a cup of cold sick. I think they're going overboard. Too, it's getting too too much, too, too many houses. It'll make it very dark and cold in the streets. So does this mean that this bipartisan deal, which both main parties were making such a big splash on? Today we're announcing the next steps in our plan to increase housing supply and improve housing affordability. We've invited National to participate in forming the legislation that we plan to pass because it was clear that the National Party supported moves to speed up housing intensification. Does that mean that it's a failure? Uh, well, not really. The rules are set up in the way that means that Parliament always wins because um, local government only exists because it's created in Parliament. If the Parliament woke up tomorrow and said right, we're sick of this, we'll abolish local government, it's gone, and then they could pass a you know, local government abolition act and it would be you know, gone by lunchtime if they, if they wanted it to be. So, so Parliament will eventually win. I mean, the reason local government exists is because you want people in their area to feel comfortable with what is happening in, in their area and to get some sort of democratic consent for, for what is, is going on. So it's, a, it's a symbolic thing, what Christchurch has done, because it basically says, well, actually, you know, we don't give you our consent to do this, um, we say no. Uh, and so the, I think the, the resonance of this will be a symbolic one rather than an actual one because actually, in actual fact, um, nothing Christchurch can do will stop these rules from taking effect. Uh, by saying nut <laughs> to the rules completely, then it runs the risk of a central government commissioner coming in and saying, right, you know, you had your chance to, to try and reconcile yourselves to these rules. You thumbed your nose at it. And so I, I have the opportunity to do whatever I want to implement the rules, and that might not be what, what you want. Housing is a tough issue for both Labour and National now. Both of them have presided over massive increases in house prices. There was, at the time, very little incentive for the two parties to fight amongst themselves um, because National could hold the, hold the flame to Labour's feet, but no one would believe them because they have a terrible legacy on housing as well. Uh, likewise, Labour could say, well, you know, we're cleaning up National's mess, but no one really believes them either because actually Labour's presided over a massive increase in house, house prices too. So they're both, they're both kind of equally lost, uh, and so they sort of came together to detoxify the issue uh, in a way that would allow them to push through a really fundamental change. It's a massive, massive change. Uh, and by coming together to do it, it basically tied them to the fortunes of this one bill, and it would mean that it would be much easier for Labour to push through this change because National would not seek to you know, undermine it and, and destroy it. Uh, and, and likewise, uh, if Labour did push through the change, which it did, and the change was successful, uh, and, and you know the change looks like it might be successful in, in big cities, then National can claim uh, quite a lot of role 
in helping Labour to fix the housing crisis, and actually because it was national sort of idea, um, then, then National can actually sort of claim that that, that this thing is is what has <laughs> saved housing in New Zealand. Yeah. So it was a really significant turning point in maybe two or three decades long housing crisis that New Zealand's experienced. That both Labour and National were totally spent and destroyed, and decided to come together to fix it together. So that's the background. And one of the things about the rules is they are not hard and fast. They are not one size fits all. And it's not just Christchurch passing the buck. Other big cities like Auckland and Wellington have also raised eyebrows over their exclusions of certain suburbs from intensification, often because of special character. Hamilton even tried to say its whole city was a qualifying matter and that it should be exempt because it all feeds into the Waikato River catchment. So, back on the streets of Auckland now. Matthew, show me a good example of high-density housing right here. Right here? Yeah. Just on the ridge line there, you can see a couple of apartments there. I think it's the Dillon and the, uh, the Ockham apartments there. Now, they're actually really good examples, and they're in a good location as well. They're in close, in close proximity to a lot of amenity um, that uh, people want and enjoy. There's supermarkets and uh, eateries and other services around. It's, it's, in a, it's on a transit route. Um, there's five, six-storey buildings, you know, that... They are what they are. They're apartments. But uh, yeah, I, I go past them almost every day. I yeah. like them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, Auckland's going to change, and it is already changing. And those have come up what in the last five, six, seven, eight, nine years. There'll be more of that over time, mm. and there'll be a gradual change. So ch- change, you know, we're, we're talking about Auckland's quite a big area, mm. and change will happen in pockets quite rapidly. But generally across the whole city, it'll take decades, if not longer, maybe a century or two, to really get to the urban um, form that we're talking about. But, you know, what, what I like about it is they are they sit on a hilltop, so they've got amazing views. And also, to me, they seem to be really well built, and they've got big windows and... Yeah, so they've had an element of design applied to them, so they've architectural thought and everything, but uh, and some apartments haven't had that uh, applied to them, and you can kind of see a little bit over here, you know, these three-storey buildings, um, they're a bit you know, ordinary. Um, All right, would you, you know, call it bad? <laughs> <laughs> Bad's a relative term. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they're warm, dry homes uh, with good light and amenity. They don't, they're not particularly attractive, right. I, I must say. But does that really matter? They, they do engage with the street really well. Okay. Um, they, they, they provide a product, and they're, they're more dense product than a single detached home in, in that same location. So, Does and, some people not like them? Have you heard some criticism? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there is general talk, of, and, and that's probably what the pushback is. Um, people see examples like that and say, oh, that might pop up next to me, and I don't really like that. And so there's a fear of, of what they perceive as bad, which is not the aesthetic that, that they're after, mm. it's just, or not matching their aesthetic. So this kind of um, very subjective viewpoint of people over the look of a city and how they feel about different buildings is that what is at really the core of this whole argument about these government rules I think so. there's, there's a lot of things at play here and I think these, the speed I like the speed that we're moving at but that's also problematic. Submissions closed at midnight on Tuesday after a three-week consultation period, and the law is expected to be passed before Christmas. I, mean, I look back at it and kind of go, that was great, it was, we, we, we got action. 
but might have been a bit too fast. Right, yeah. <laughs> and we didn't have the communications around around it like we did for COVID. We had, you know, press conferences and all sorts of you know, educating people about it. We have none of that. We've had no um, public education or discourse about what this is yeah. and how we want to move forward. Well, why are people so opposed then? Change is hard. Ch- change scares people. Some people, I get... Um, you know, frustrated when I'm, there's there's no my my favourite cereal's not there. Uh, you know, it, it, so change is a is is a very difficult thing for us as humans to deal with. We like our we like our comforts, and so our home starts to become part of our identity, and it's something that we're comfortable with. And we've been used to quite low density, low rise environments for a very long time, and and we haven't had much above two storey. F- in our history, really, mm. it's, ve- it's very pepper-potted. So we're talking about a dynamic shift here. And, well, that's, that's a little bit unsettling for people. I, I, I can totally understand it. I actually think that's good. Because really? then, well, it, it, it then says people are actually um, invested in their urban environments. Yeah, they care about they where care they about live. They care about it. See, that's a lovely... Um, yeah, that's really nice, yeah, isn't it? they put a lot of effort into that. And they're doing that building there that's currently under construction. But I suppose you could say, you know, this is real inner city. Yep. And this is not Subur- a suburb yes, that exactly. people are kicking a fuss yeah, which, about. Which you can almost of, of the cities. Really. Yeah. Would you say it's the leafy suburbs of cities where <laughs> there's the most fuss? I, I live in a leafy suburb. I live in so Glenness. I. <laughs> um, and... It's interesting because um, if we take where I live, which is Glendinnis, um, there's a lot of development enablement on that side versus Glendowie. And so we see a significant amount of spillover gentrification happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, people want to live in Glendowie, but there's no housing supply. So they buy where they can, with the next closest area, which is Glendinnis. Yeah. And so, that's, and so prices go up in Glendinnis. Uh, as a result, because there's more competition for scarcer product. Yeah. So the MDRS, and it, it, it's, it's 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 imperfect. I don't. I'm not going to profess it's a perfect thing, but it does enable ca- more capacity um, broadly. So scarcity starts to be removed. So the opportunity to build in places like Lindawi, uh, where people do want to live, and there's demand for it, is there. I'm thinking about these character suburbs, <laughs> which, I don't know, seem to get quite a lot of attention over this. Have people got a good point, though, that it's going to really spoil their lovely streets with the you know, single-storey or just double-storey houses, character um, houses? They have a point, but that's, nobody's offered up any solutions about how do we go about the change because a lot of those homes are in in locations where there is high city amenity. They're near close to transport links. They're near parks, supermarkets, all the things that people value the most. Mm. And are these homes of such a character that they need to be fully protected? Remember, some of these homes have been quite significantly altered. Um, some of them are just a shallow facade on the street. So. What are we really protecting anymore? But that's not to say that new buildings can't enhance that. The thought process seems like 
that these buildings are, in of themselves have reached perfection. And so any change, alteration, addition to the street in terms of new, it may just be another, another building at three storeys. Could, mm. could that not enhance another thing? And often more people in a, in a location helps in, uh, enhance the community um, amenities. You might get a cafe in the corner now because you've reached a, um, a threshold yeah. of, um, of people living there. What do you say to these people, residents, who go along to the council and say, we don't want this, we don't want this in our suburb? I can understand your fear, but I think your fear is a little bit misplaced. Um, the three-storey thing, I think, is, is a great headline, <laughs> but in, we've done testing. It's, it's very hard to achieve you know, unless you have specific uh, site dimensions. Um, often you need quite large, wide sites um, to, to get that to happen. And so it's actually really enabling two-storey buildings um, more easily. And three homes, it's not really a development. It's an it's a existing house with a new two homes in the backyard, normal subdivision infill that we've been experiencing for the last 30, 40, 50 years. When redevelopment happens, that's, I think there's problems, and that's what we need to work together with. So I think rather than saying don't want it, tell us what you would like this to be. How would you want it to happen? What is the, what is the urban environment going to be, that you want it to be, with these new rules because they're not going away we've got them they're here it's going to happen either you get either you work with it and improve it which is what i would like them like everybody to do because like i said i'm not entirely happy with the the rules myself but rather than saying oh because it's not perfect i'm not i don't want it i'll rather have it improved when you say that there's you know, been quite a bit few issues and that the, um, this government has made it clear that it's not happy with the way things have played out, is that because the actual, um, the actual rules aren't very good and the way this was handled uh, wasn't very good either, that it wasn't well communicated and a decision was made without much consultation? Well, yeah, that depends on which side of the um, which side of the dispute you fall on, I guess. So the, the rules are from the government. So I think the government thinks the rules are pretty good. Um, local government thinks that local government is, is frustrated generally that the rules are national level rules and do not really take into account the unique issues in different areas. So people in Auckland and Christchurch and Wellington have different issues with the, with the, the plan changes. They're, they're often actually they're, they're often quite similar issues, which is around the protection of heritage. Uh, and heritage homes, uh, beautiful you know, colonial villas, uh, tend to be in the centre of town. And those homes are fiercely protected by residents. Those neighbourhoods are fiercely protected by residents um, because they are beautiful uh, and they are very expensive. Uh, and the government generally wants to allow more development in those areas because the areas of residential land close to cities are uh, where people want to live, it's where the best transport links are, it's where the best inf- infrastructure is. Uh, obviously, you know, if you're trying to build a city, you try and build more of it in the centre and less of it, you know, in the periphery. Yeah. And so the government's view is generally that this is where we want to build our cities, and council's view is, is really reflective of those residents' views, which is that they would rather it built elsewhere. The trouble is, I suppose, I mean, this highlights a number of issues, but... It's that thing of locals feeling like they don't have enough say in what's going on in their neighbourhoods. Yes, people debate about 
what has led to the housing crisis, and, and usually they, they land on one of three issues, tax issues, low interest rates, and supply. And this is the, this is the big issue that this piece of legislation tries to deal with, supply. Um, and one of the reasons why we've struggled a lot to get housing supply uh, built is to do with local government, to do with our restrictive planning laws, uh, which basically make it uh, very easy to, to stop something from getting built. Um, and local government has very little incentive to actually to get something built because local government has to provide you know, new roads to new developments or new pipe infrastructure if it looks like you know, a lot of apartments are going to be built in an area you need to upgrade the, the water infrastructure. Local government has to find tens of millions of dollars to rip up the street and put new three waters infrastructure under, under the street. It's been, it's been very interesting, particularly in Auckland actually, uh, watching local communities really rise up against these rules. There's even some suggestion that these changes had a small role in toppling Judith Collins, who was the national leader who um, who supported them, um, because many of National's Auckland MPs found their local constituents just rising up against them because they felt like people were coming for their neighbourhoods. Mm. And it's important, an important statement of fact, actually, is that the rules do not mean that your houses will get confiscated uh, and, um, and, you know, turned into townhouses. It's just... Should you choose to sell your home, um, then someone can buy it and turn it into, you know, three townhouses. I think there's, there's, there was a fear that it would lead to mass kind of confiscations, yeah. um, which is not, not the no. case. Thank you very much. We're in Matthew Prasad's office now to talk about what next for Christchurch City Council and those vexatious rules. Yeah, um, it's an interesting process now, what, what happens. I mean, it, it's kind of one of those things that you like... I'm, I'm pretty sure they said, oh, this will never happen. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll put it in there, and, it, like, nobody's going to say no, it, it, but we have to kind of put it in. Lo and behold, somebody said no, so it's kind of like everybody's holding bated breath about, like, what actually is going to happen because it's it's a very unusual scenario. I know it's written down that commissioners will be coming in, but politically, how do you go, you know, who, do you replace all of council, some of council, only... Um, bring them in to notify it's it's a very interesting scenario i've talked to a few planners uh, because i'm not a planner myself but i've worked enough in it to to be dangerous um so but but i I get all this advice and the number one thing that comes along is just they can do a lot of things and make this happen but politically the the appetite and the strategy around doing it is going to be very interesting um, so I, I think that's it, it's a bit of a soap opera <laughs> <laughs> a soap opera over <laughs> medium density housing that's it for today I'm Sharon Brett Kelly the detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ on air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Flo Wilson and produced by Bonnie Harrison and Sarah Robson. And thanks to Matthew Prasad and Thomas Coughlin. Mā te wā.